We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Engage. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Oh, just one more thing. I want to go to there. Bitch! The language! Unbelievable! I love it when a plan comes together. The fleet is being controlled by the collective. The Bogar here. That cube is projecting a signal across the solar system. Jack is there. And the only way to save Earth is to sever that connection, no matter the cost. What began over 35 years ago ends tonight. We are all that is left of Starfleet. Weapons ready for another run. Go look! Hello and welcome to the Best Bits TV talk show where we talk about a show on TV. This is Kevin and I'm not just joined by Will, I'm also joined by Chloe. (laughs) Chloe, how are you? (laughs) Chloe is Langers at the moment. Oh, listen, uh, Chloe, here, speak. What, What do you think? Yeah, yeah, she's a big fan of uh, Star Trek Picard season three, Kevin. That's all I can say. Um, I'm going to be muting myself a lot during this record um, <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> but Kevin, how are you? And I do have a baby in my arms. That's what's going on. You do. And it's kind of apt, really, because I was crying like a baby watching this episode. <laughs> but we'll get into it. We're not just here by ourselves. We have a returning guest. And it's Dave back from episode five. Dave from the Cinema Podcast. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me back, lads. Great to have you back, Dave. Thank you. And lovely to meet you, Chloe. (laughs) Classic Chloe. Absolutely hammered. (laughs) And for the first time on this run of shows, we're joined by a returning guest on The Best Bits. Just recently, he was on our Highlander commentary. It's Jamie Hannigan, you big Star Trek nerd. We had to have you on. How are you? Hello. Thank you for having me and uh, getting me to watch all the Picard season three in the last three and a half days. Did you love it? I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, look, I want to get everything you felt about the show up till now. Dave, the last time you spoke to us was episode five. And before then, Geordie hadn't even been introduced. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot has happened since then. I think I've, yeah, I covered my feelings on the first half pretty well the last time I think I, th- I I was really impressed with it it surprised me I was very pleasantly surprised I thought it was um it had some surprisingly good dialogue and writing it was leaning into character a lot and I was just really impressed with it I gotta say and um you guys have been so positive about the whole the whole thing I I, th- I, th- I feel I need to bring some negativity here right so I I actually don't I wasn't as impressed with the second half of, and uh, Jamie <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad because Kev, no, Kev, Kev said in a group chat that this was like the best thing that had ever happened to him or one of the best things. And I was like, oh, I, I can't do this. The best but thing that's ever happened to me. I got to be honest, right? I, I went sideways for you in the second half? So a few things. I think the the contrivances that they had to kind of go through to get everybody together started to just grind me down a little bit. And it was clear that they kind of reverse engineered how to get everybody together. And it, and it, it just all felt a little too, uh, fantastic. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't really believe that any, like Joe, Jordy's here now, uh, because he runs a museum and then, and now we're going to take the, and it was all, I don't know. It was all just a little too neat. Um, and then I think 
what I was praising it for in the first half where they had space for character. And I thought that episode four is still my, I think the best one, um, you know, when Picard and his son are connecting and all that. I feel like particularly this, this stuff with Picard and Jack really just took a backseat for episodes and it did pay off in the episode 10. And I'll get to it when we chat about it, but I thought episode 10 was fantastic and kind of made all the negativity. I feel worth it. And another thing that really bothered me though, was I felt like Picard, there were some decisions Picard was making that I I felt didn't feel true to the character. Like when, when Vadik is on the ship and he turns to Beverly and says, um, there's nothing I left to that. do. We have to kill, we have to kill her. Uh, that just, that, did, mm. that did not feel like something he would do to me. I feel like he's a man who would, that would be the, the absolute last, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even do it. Even if it was the last resort, he'd just find another way. And the other big issue I had was they're building up to this big bad the whole time. And I'm genuinely like, who is it? And I'm loving the changeling stuff. Vadik is a fantastic villain. And then she's gone and it's like, aha, it's the Borg. And I'm like, ah, fucking Borg again. And I'm like, so I'm just like, it just felt like there's such an easy go to the Borg, right? And I know it ties into the legacy and all that. And, but yeah. And so that's how I felt. Now, I, I will say that episode 10 was so fantastic and it, I loved it. They, I cried much like you, Kev, for the last 15 minutes and, and, and so I'll forgive I it. I cried from the, the f- from like the first m- moment where they were deciding that this was going to be a suicide mission. From then on, I was just, I was in bits because it, it was just so beautiful and tender. But um, it was good. And and look, and that's what that's why I'm just going to park my 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 nitpicks and whatever, and just acknowledge that this show as a whole, this season, I should say, was just intended to be as you said before you know a lovely send-off for these characters and this crew and recapture that joy that we all felt and that love and affinity they have for each other and we have for them and i think it did a fantastic job of that ended on a brilliant note so plot contrivances aside i'm kind of happy that it exists and i and i got a good buzzy lovely feeling out of it and jamie you absolutely loved it didn't you (laughs) (laughs) uh well, yeah, I, I think because I binged it, essentially, like I was watching like three episodes at a time. So for me, it was like watching three movies. Like, yeah, we're, we're going to we're going to run into Return of the King analogies later on. But um, I saw people uh, tweeting that and I was like, oh, you miserable bastards. Fucking delete your accounts. Yeah, I, I so I, I watched the first episode on a like, I think, Sunday night. And then I think I watched two three and four on monday and then Tuesday. what day is it now i can't remember there was one day anyway uh i Thursday I'm, night. I'm, i think some of some of the stuff dave is saying about the reverse engineering i would argue is 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 screenwriting i would actually say <laughs> yes 100 percent, because there were many times throughout this where i was like so impressed by the writing yeah in our professional opinion you're wrong dave <laughs> well I what mean, do you guys know about screenwriting <laughs> i i will say the one thing that kind of threw me slightly was i thought it was slightly rushed because season episode nine season what, what was the one with roe laren so that that was, was like one of my favorites. I th- five or that's four. That's five, I think. Um, All right, that 
that that kind of like that when I watched them and it felt like watching three movies and it did feel like the rhythm of them which and I mentioned this to you as a, in a group chat but the rhythm felt more like the the best of the original movies like the kind of the Wrath of Khan the Voyage Home the Undiscovered Country like it had that kind of really fast but good character work but very nimble moving around getting the plot moving along mm-hmm. and that's what I felt about the first half and then the second I was like oh well, what the fuck is the deal with this guy with this with the Jack Crusher like what's why is he seeing having these visions and you know is it very convenient to like of all the people that they need for this thing to whatever it is that they need to happen happens to be Jack Crusher and the thing where it's slightly I thought they needed they could have done another possibly another episode even was when they sort of reveal it's a Deborg and Jack Crusher goes out to seek the Borg in a really short space yeah. of time. And that and that that was the thing about season that episode nine, which I kind of bugged me slightly, but then it was redeemed by the the whole nostalgia implants again and again at the end of season nine of like Oh, we're we're bringing out the big guns. We're bringing out the Enterprise D, and that's a very difficult. Uh, uh, that that was my only my only thing was that it just rushed Jack Crusher's decision to like go out in his own. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And Episode nine is the one where I was a little bit more down on it than the others, and it was only after sitting with the episode for a few days where I thought, do you know what? That's actually a really clever plot, and. They kind of just blew yeah. straight through it where everyone was like immediately coming to the same conclusions and it was a lot of exposition dumps and it's a credit to the actors that they're able to sell this stuff. But I was still going like, huh, okay, all right, okay, okay. And I didn't miss the changelings and I, I did feel the same as you, Dave, which was like the Borg again. That's so neat. But I think that when you look at in totality at the story, it could only really be that because it's dealing with legacy and it's dealing with with... Hmm. basically Picard and, and, and his story through TNG so it couldn't really be anything else it couldn't really be Aramis or or the Dominion or whatever um, I was trying to think this through like who's who's Picard's can like and it's the Borg. for some reason the first name uh, it was, it was yeah, they wanted it to be Q they wanted it to be Q so much but okay you're not baiting me into saying the one thing which I detested about no, the entire not, thing no no let's wait till we get to it wait till we get to it okay. let's stay positive because <laughs> I, I think I said I, to Jamie skip the post credits scene right oh there was a post credits scene okay, okay let me finish my thought though because I had to just All listen right. to two guys <laughs> neg the series this has been I negged one small part of it I really I know and I, but I, I don't I look at your say children and it. say there's something wrong with that one you know so like <laughs> I'm we got to have some boundaries I'm sorry, support Kev. here. I'm sorry. So I am kind of flabbergasted that this show has worked as well as it has done for me. And for them to have made this as good as it is, it's many miracles on top of one another. And um, and I thought the show was just exceptional. Agreed. And can I come in? Can I come in? Because I actually... I, Will's if back. You, if you didn't notice, Will's I put the baby in the bath. Um, the baby's in. Oh shit! I gave it a pack of cigarettes <laughs> and a lighter and a bottle of vodka. I'd be grand. Um, listen, I was. I have been. We have been. I suppose singing the praises of the show for um, ten weeks for uh, the entire ten weeks now. And I was just thinking about it last night that we've gotten. And I don't know. Maybe you've said this, but we've gotten three feature film movies here. This is a trilogy. In my head, you could easily have told these stories across three uh, three movies. 
and because each one has had a kind of a separate storyline, a separate arc, um, and somehow they've managed to bring it all together. All the little elements have just paid off so neatly and so nicely, but authentically. And I fucking cared. I cared like so many other franchises, like in the, in, in a complete contrast to so many Doesn't other franchises. Doesn't it feel great to care? Right now. Yeah. I was I like, just oh my cared. God, I'm actually invested. I, I, I'm going to jump slightly ahead, but from the moment where they realized that it was just them against the Borg in, in Jupiter and that Picard was going to have to go down there and it was just this portentous feeling of like, this is a suicide mission and mm. they all knew it and they had these lovely little moments where even uh, um, Troy was like looking at Riker and it was like this is the end isn't it you're not coming back I thought fuck yeah. they really Riker know got what two of those doing. moments didn't oh, he can I say about he, got, he had two moments where he got to say like going you know we had good times baby didn't we but, and then he fucks off there, there, there was a moment that, do, you want to, do you know what actually that moment really got me when they were leaving the bridge the first time because oh, I was he sobbing. just looks at Troy because yeah. he knows she can feel his feelings. And it's like he whatever fee he felt, she knew he could feel. And I just fucking I was like, oh, that's beautiful. That's well, fucking beautiful. Let's get into it. This one is written and directed by Terry Metallus. Terry, I doff my cap to you. If I ever meet you, I'm gonna buy you a drink. The synopsis went. In a desperate last stand, Jean-Luc Picard and generations of crews, both old and new, fight together to save the galaxy from the greatest threat they've ever faced as the saga of the next generation comes to a thrilling, epic conclusion. And it began, and I said this to you, uh, Jamie, and I I wonder if you guys (laughs) noticed it, that when it began, and it was Anton Chekhov, his voiceover as the president... Pavel Chekhov, wasn't it? No, Anton Chekhov. Oh, no, sorry, this is because this is his... This is his son, his son, right? Yes. Well, he, he mentions his dad, but then I was wondering about the timeline of that. Like, when? Surely. It's, I looked this yeah. up. He would be, check, the Chekhov with the, from the films would be over 150 years old, but, which is possible. That's possible. But maybe not to serve public office. <laughs> well, look at Joe Biden. How old is he? There you yeah. go. And that's just the Good 21st man, century. <laughs> Uh, president of the United Federation of Planets and I thought this is a great way to get back into this story where you are yeah. eased into it but did you notice Will is gesticulating so maybe you did as well that yeah. when they panned over the Starfield it was the same mm-hmm. opening images as the title sequence to The Next Generation y- yep mm-hmm. ah very good and, I didn't spot that mm-hmm. and the other thing I got from this uh, bit of dialogue from uh, Chekhov was uh, the opening to a voyage home or the voyage home Star Trek four of that of like or maybe that scene where they were getting the the message where the from nuclear Arsenal. vessels? Oh yeah, well, <laughs> not about the nuclear vessels, <laughs> but it just totally. I was I made a note of it. I said this is just like the voyage home. Wonderful. You know, it was you know nice to get him that, in there. the subtext. Go it on. was lovely, but the subtext was, you know, uh, you know, everyone approaching the Federation like. We can't trust the kids anymore. They just don't know what the Star Trek is all yeah, about. That, <laughs> we need the old generation that made me, to come that made in me laugh so much. and save us. That, I, yeah, I, they're attacking a younger generation. And to it's be honest, a, specifically, you know, it's I the young people. Yeah. The young people. They just don't, <laughs> they just don't get it. They just don't know what the rock and roll is all about. And, yeah. and they all speak in one voice and it's all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> It's the children it's who are wrong. 
there's a word for it. It's called juvenasia or something like that, where everything of the previous generation is completely broken, and that's what this this whole show is about. It's basically about juvenasia. Space dock is falling, and there was a few things about this that really like caught me by surprise, and that was the special effects where they really went all out, whatever money they were holding back. Because at sometimes I think you said it, Dave, that you felt you were starting to get like you starting to get location fatigue. You yeah. felt like, are we ever going to get off the Titan? I was so sick of the Titan around episode eight. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, just just wait. But um, I think they were saving up some money in order to be able to completely go overboard with the, the space battles in this because yeah. the, the special effects were incredible. But space dock is falling and the data picks up on the Enterprise D's bridge that there is a ship that is broadcasting from Jupiter and they go straight there, warp to it, and they... They basically find that the Borg Cube is hiding in the clouds of Jupiter. And that is where the Borg Queen has been. Which is That's neat. A bit convenient for her to be hiding there all this time. You know, just no, up around nice. the road from Earth. No, didn't they say something about a trans-warp conduit that she had? That's what they said. So she, I yes. think she's leaped in there from somewhere else she was hiding. Yeah, oh, right. Absolutely. Okay. That's, that's how they move around the Borg. Yeah, they're just mm-hmm. trans-warp, trans-warp conduit. <laughs> you know. Classic. Why can't we all have one? <laughs> we do if you put your foot down. We can have it. And Picard says, what began 35 years ago ends tonight. And he really delivered that line. And I thought, okay, so what began in 1987 ends tonight. What What were you thinking when you were like, in the midst of it? I was excited. That's great, Will. Thanks. He's, he's going to die. I mean, that was, that was like... Uh, he, was it? Were you? I mean, you—you you were all thinking like, okay, this is the last. They've already said like how much that this is going to be the last episode. It, you were thinking like waiting for Picard to sacrifice himself for for. Doesn't it add Jack to the stakes though when you think that they they may not come back from this? Yes, so I, I, everything I just feels so much. I completely agree because it made you. all of those goodbyes, and you know, to Jamie's point, there were Riker got two. There were a lot, you know, and it made them feel far more substantial. And meaningful mm-hmm. because it did feel um, like a good Game of Thrones episode. Like anyone could die at yes. any moment. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good point. It looked beautiful as well. I just thought, oh god, this is so well shot, and the music—it was just enhancing everything. Meanwhile, Seven, Rafi, the Doctor of the Titan, and two others—a cook who I wish. Do you know when you were talking about? You feel like some things might have been cut throughout the season in order to keep the pace up. I would love to have seen a little bit more from that Cook character because as soon as he appeared, I was, was like, great. I love this guy. Yeah. I love yeah. him. He's so out of his depth. He, he could have been a Neelix. That was the problem. you know. And actually, if he was out of his depth, that would have been fine because Neelix was a character from Voyager who just knew everything about everything. He was a man of all, he was a jack of all trades. This guy was out of his depth going, I don't know how to man the vessel. I would have locked <laughs> Neelix in the turbo lift and been like, I can't get her open, I'm sorry. <laughs> Send him back down to the maintenance deck. <laughs> and actually, I'm kind of irrelevant in a world of replicators. The job of cook yeah. <laughs> is now, it's not necessary. Well, so am I wrong that didn't Neelix get a kind of more, a lot more um, interesting as that series went on? Like he started out incredibly annoying for two seasons and then actually got more and more. No. Kind of like. And you know, when I'm, I'm on a certain season, amount of. I'm, a, I'm finishing season. I'm finishing season five. And he's getting more interesting because he's gotten he's gotten less more less screen time. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just not there to be annoying. 
Seven Raffi and the Doctor of the Titan, the Cook and another bridge officer, they take back the bridge and they beam the crew into the transporter room and they lock them in there. And then it's they realize it's just them up against the entire fleet of the Federation, which is just unloading on space dock. And uh, yeah, I was, as I said, really into this Cook character. I don't know his name, but I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of him throughout the season. Can we talk about the transporter guns? Because yes. they were brilliant. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. Great yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah. They'd, they'd, adapted, shoot. they'd adapted rifles to transport people. If you're going to transport, if you're going to shoot people and tra- like hostile intruders and transport them somewhere, would it make sense not to transport them to anywhere else <laughs> in the ship than a transport them? <laughs> yeah, but you transport them to the brig or something. I mean, oh, somewhere right. that's I actually. I think it was only uh... transporting it back to the transporter, as in it was all, they were only capable of like transporting it back to transporter. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah. The head cannon, yeah. That, the head that cannon goes that way. It was way, like a boomerang thing. I was like, really? You're gonna transport them in a transporter room? <laughs> if, I mean, if I was there, I would just <laughs> something about that I would feels just transport a bit weird. them out into the dark, cold depths of space and let those young ones meet their face. Yeah, and then Seven says, "Jordy, <laughs> sorry, die. They don't know what the Star Trek's all about. Oh, they're with their TikToks. <laughs> I'd miss them. They were all nice. I liked. I liked all those young ones. I was sad to see them borgified. Yeah, I was kind of attached to all the side characters. One thing I really did like in that that Die Hard episode with Vadik was. I like um, that you said I, that because I, I used that reference. I, <laughs> it, it, yeah, that's. I mean, I probably heard it from you. To be fair. Yeah. Um, I kind of did feel an affinity for all of those characters. They, they kind of gave them all enough screen time um, and a few little incidental moments that I did kind of care for the bridge crew yeah. towards the end, who are now, of course, mm-hmm. the Enterprise crew. Yeah. yeah, I like them. Bit of a demotion, though, for it to become the the Titan. Like, they had the Enterprise F, which looked like a much sleeker ship. Like, uh, was that, that was the Enterprise F. Yeah, I wonder if that was That was poor old or, or, or a P. Shelby's. That was yeah. her vessel. It got blown yeah. up, did it? Or... Oh, I don't know if it got yeah, blown up, but she got killed while she, sitting in the captain's chair. She did see. Yeah, that was that was. Uh, it's nice to see her we again. We saw the Enterprise F. It was. And it, Will didn't recognize her. So they had that and, and the Enterprise E. They kept like, on making jokes in the last couple of episodes back about. Oh well, of course we can't use the Enterprise E because war fucked it up. And I was like, really? I don't remember. Didn't they ram? Tom no, Hardy's that didn't. Ship? That happened. It's off screen, I think. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. No, he. He became the captain of the uh, Enterprise Z after Picard retired, and there was something that happened which is classified, and it's in some sort of canon, some game, something. But uh, yeah, he was the captain. And it's been. When that like, I, I should probably go back on my what I've seen of because I watched uh, all the Next Generation several times, and then I watched the first three Next Generation movies, and I I couldn't because Nemesis wasn't on. They pulled it from Netflix when I was about to go watch it. And it was the one that I hated for the, the most. Best. Yeah, you're right. And I saw, I, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it since the cinema. Yeah, it was miserable uh, back in day. And my memory was that the, he destroyed another Enterprise. Like they crashed into Tom Hardy's ship. They didn't destroy. They no. crashed no? us. They rammed us. No, the Enterprise it, it survived. Wasn't, it wasn't destroyed. They definitely rammed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, good for them. Because they, they all destroyed the data. data's death at the but end. We got they lost the data. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, great. <laughs> And lore. Um, even Data's moments in this were great. But so they've decided that Picard is going to go down there. And when he turned around and he gave that look to all of them and he says, um, it has been an honor serving with you. <sighs> yeah. I just thought, yeah, he's he's not coming back from this. This is him 
doing a, a swap. It'll be me for, for Jack. Um, I'm, I'm actually super impressed that that the show didn't kill anyone. I thought that 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 showed some restraint to me because it was actually the better ending. It's it's the the more and it who, felt who was on your dead show, list the original for, show. for who was going to live and die? Because I had Worf at the top of like he's he's Worf's going to yeah, bust because thought, of me. Thought yeah. going to go. <laughs> Terry Metallus said at the beginning that he wants to give the TNG cast out Undiscovered Country. And I thought, well, he's going for a really, you know, celebratory ending here. But then when I saw yeah. the trailer to episode 10 and so many of the characters looked overwrought, Data and Troy crying and Crusher sobbing, I thought, oh, he's gone. He's definitely gone. There's going to be some great sacrifice. And I thought that's going to be a bit too much like Nemesis again, like ending with a funeral. Or Wrath of Khan. Oh yeah, I've never seen that one. <laughs> Should. <laughs> uh, yeah, they had me on the on the edge of my seat. They beamed down. So Riker says he's going with Picard. He's not leaving him go alone. And Worf's then like, oh, Worf you're, you're all going to get killed. One no, great one liners. Worf <laughs> goes, and I'll make it a threesome. <laughs> like, do you even hear yourself? I love that they were bringing in like all these little moments of humor in amongst all this pathos and sort of suspense. Like genuinely, Worf has got the fun- yeah. is the funniest character in. Uh, it's as funny as he ever been, and not bef- not before we get there. Actually, the funniest moment with Worf is the final yeah. scene or one of the it's last beautiful. scenes. Beautiful. Yeah. So I laugh. I, li- I literally laugh yeah, my, that my two yeah. funniest. It's a bit like Scotty like hitting his head off the rafters. Oh yeah, I know the shit yeah. like the back of my bonk. <laughs> yeah, uh, my my always favorite the comedic pairings. In the original, the TNG series, the huh. best one-liner, the best line came off between the combo of Worf and Data, and they never got that combo in this series. I'm not saying... I think they both got great so? stuff. Well, I'm trying to remember, but most of the... Like, Data's best, like, some of his funniest... Well, funny. I, I, best lines, like, one... It was hilarious when Data dressed on Worf, where he said, uh, I want to see you in the ready room. And he said, when I am giving orders, I expect you to follow them. And if you can't fulfill your duties, then I will remove you from the bridge. Morph is like, huh, understood. Uh, The ones I was thinking of, there's one in, I think it was season two or something, where they're doing some kind of war game bullshit. And then they get like ambushed by a Ferengi vessel. And and they're talking about this plan where we're going to like, oh, we've got this like shitty fucking ship and we're going to pretend, we're going to warp at like one speed, but we're going to, it's going to look like the Enterprise has destroyed it. And Data is this thing where it's like, you know, we're going to fire the torpedo and then we're going to warp just before it impacts. And if we're off by like, you know, half a millisecond, the results will be, he does a little pause, like, unfortunate. And Worf is, he's in, he's on the ship that's going to be, have the torpedo shot at it. And he's like, very unfortunate. We will be dead. <laughs> and, it's, and then that's, there was another one where he's like, he's babysitting for data's cat spot and data's goes a whole long list of all the things he has to do for the cat like and if he's you know if he's feeling bad you have to stroke it and blah 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 and he just goes on for like a minute at least a minute and Worf is just like holding the cat like i will feed him <laughs> hey <laughs> when they realized that he was funny uh you got some great moments with Worf. when it was his birthday and they they put him like the, the hats on him and on the episode when he is in an alternate reality and he's in a relationship with troy and she's in his quarters and she's making herself, you know, quite at home. And he's like looking at her like, what are you doing? And then she's sitting on the bed, tapping the bed. And he just leans into shot, like looking at her like, 
what's going on here? Always made me laugh. Anyway, um, he's great. He's yeah, Picard says to Crusher, "I need you to lead me to our son." And the three of them beam down onto the Borg ship. Great lines in this. Picard goes, "You don't leave the doors open if you want to keep the wolves out." It appears that all the Borg are zombified. That something has been feeding off them in order to stay alive, and they managed to make the Borg even creepier. I thought. Yeah, I thought that was excellent. I was like, again, there's great world building, great logic going on in the mechanics of how everything's operated. From my point of view, I didn't. I, all I know is the Borg apparently have been gone for a decade, but they were defeated. Which I still don't understand. Right? But anyway. this, so, but this this individual has been surviving by few by using the drones to fuel the power supply, which is wonderful. I think it's so. It's that, you know, feeding off your own flesh. You know, I think it's fucking th- cool. It's really, really I thought cool. the, um, the, the makeup design on, on her was very good as well. It was really creepy. Mm. And great to have Alice uh, Kriege back. It wasn't her... So she was only doing the yeah, voice. Yeah, I was going to say that. Oh, just yeah. the voice, was she? Yeah. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, I thought she looked a bit different. That explains it. I find that interesting for an actor to come in and sort of like mimic the way that a, another performer has delivered the lines to sort of make your voice fit into their gesticulations and their mouth movements. But I guess they just didn't want to have a six-year-old Alice Krieg like hoisted up 30 foot in the air and wrapped in rubber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. So it's like, let's Although get they're it. happy to have Picard, 80-year-old Patrick Stewart, wandering around. I think that's him. I think God he wants what. to do all that. <laughs> I heard that they shoot Wanders all his around. stuff out by lunchtime. So he shoots in the morning to lunch and then they, they send him home. So yeah. In a wheelchair. Give... <laughs> In the back of a taxi. Or because in the evening he skydives in the evening. So that's why he has to get all this stuff done in the morning. The man's busy. I will say, I love, there's a line here I love that Worf had when, like, you know, Riker and Worf and Picard are down there and they realize they have to split up because Riker and Worf were saying, there's a beacon, we have to go find the beacon. And Picard is going, no, Jack is right underneath us. I'm going to go down, we're going to split up. And they basically kind of have a really, really poignant moment of saying goodbye to each other and Worf says something like you know there's just two words Klingons do not use or do not know you've, you've skipped over one of the loveliest lines which leads up to that which is that Picard says well, I can no longer be your captain I now have to be a father oh yeah and I was like yes, oh my god yes, yes. and it's the way that they're delivering these lines they really sell them and then Riker says something like you don't need to say it you never need to say it this is when I started tearing up that's when it started for me and what did Worf say? and that's when Worf he says uh, there's two words that Klingon never uses defeat and farewell Mm -hmm. and that's that's how he says goodbye great Worf stuff I love it and this is a moment where I actually I wrote in my notes it actually kind of feels like they're going to kill Picard and it's like when they feel when it feels like they're going to kill, kill Picard, I should have realised they're not going to kill Picard. But I actually wrote. No, I thought it was going to happen, and then it was down to just Beverly and and Picard, where she was talking him through it, and he says to her, mm. "Everything you did was right." And, uh, I thought, oh, they're really going for the 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 feels here, and it's working on me. Um, and then we see that Jack is the Borg, the Borg Prince, I suppose. And behind him is a monstrous Borg Queen. She emerges like the alien, like an alien figure. There's a shot there that just reminded me of an yeah. alien emerging from aliens or something. Yeah, they went heavy into the H.R. Geiger makeup. Like she's much more biomechanically grotesque than I think you've ever seen her before. Like 
in the various iterations. Yeah. She looked really she fucked was super up. creepy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad they did because throughout the, the previous episodes, uh, I, I kept wondering, okay, who's the mysterious hands hologram figure that was talking to Vadik and all that sort of stuff? And it was her, just a deformed or deformed head. And that's why she didn't look like herself or a Borg. So, um, yeah, yeah, it worked for me. Seven and the Titan crew, they pick up that the Enterprise D is uh, nearby and Seven decides we need to buy them some time. So they're going to reuse the cloaking device that was installed to fight the Shrike and they're going to strafe the Federation ships which are firing at space dock. And this is when Seven has a big moment because the cook it, like is going, I'm not equipped for this. I'm, I'm not a pilot. And she's like... Uh, you what was it she says something like um you're a pilot and now you're our pilot you've got this and then she rallies all of them and they're all looking to her and it's like yeah seven of nine is a great character but she's like i'm not what a rousing i'm not asking you to give your lives for nothing i'm asking you to fight for what's below your families your children the borg have taken our crew taken our captain take your time there jamie That was water. I'm afraid. Sorry, <laughs> Jamie. Are you go- are you planning to do uh, one of those uh, glass rim choruses? Well, like, it's like ASMR like, you know, there for a second. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. I'll go ahead, Kevin. I'll continue. But in this Seven. moment, here and now, we are all that is left of Starfleet. It is up to us. And it was getting me like hyped up. I was like, "Fucking hell, they're really going for it." This is like on every level. It's like at maximum it's at 10 the stakes are so high mm-hmm. and uh, they cloak and they go for it look give Jerry Reiner credit she fucking delivered those yeah. lines she absolutely delivered that speech and, and I, was, I was there I was there I was like to that. yes bye Incredible. I know and death <laughs> beyond the grave that's, not the, that's, the, that's um, a joke for all I, our international listeners <laughs> I gotta say as well, like I, I felt I was worried in the last in the last episodes as well, in the previous four or five that Seven had been kind of sidelined, um, but they really paid off her character in in this episode really well because not only did we get that that ultimate, um, really nice and emotional final scene with her, but I think they earned it by showing that she has what it takes to be a captain in these scenes and 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 mm-hmm. a fantastic captain at that she's a really interesting character in that she feels wounded and tempestuous but also level-headed and and kind so there's sort of like there's like so many levels that she plays and she's a fantastic actress she was hired because they thought you know she had a she had a um easy on the eye she looked great say it but yeah easy on the eye there you go but uh no she's a fantastic character and great actress yeah they cloak. Meanwhile, the queen is taunting Picard and she says the future doesn't lie in assimilation but evolution. Riker and Worf, meanwhile, are seeking out the beacon amongst the graves of the Borg and the Borg queen says to witness your future's end. And that's when we see that they um, unleash on space dock and it is... The special effects in the scene was incredible but it's like going down. Walker... Walker... Riker and Worf are attacked... And there was a great few beats here where um, uh, Worf's got his cuthlet sword and he is like doing his typical TNG stuff of just slamming into the fellas till he gets shot. And then Riker goes to pick up his sword and is like, oh shit, the the weight of it, he couldn't pick it up. These things are really fucking heavy, right? I mean, like... 
That yeah. was good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm going back immediately. I'm like going, hey, okay, how many characters have, have I seen training with those yeah. backlets? This one is a, is a different right, one. I f- it, it's not a cutlass, like a pirate thing, but it's something oh, like okay. that. Yeah, I was gonna they give always you give a, him a different if you, sword. If you had the name, the Klingon name for that, his short sword, I was going to give you a prize there, Kev. The backlet, I thought it's, we all knew. I think it's a cutlass. <sighs> Let me look um, it up. It's what they've called it. The post. They redesigned it. Uh... And he, um, Riker can't pick it up. And he's like, no, the hilt. And he removes it. It's an old phaser, like a TNG phaser. <laughs> he's like, you had this all the time. It's like, swords are fun. <laughs> <laughs> he had two really <laughs> good lines back to back there. That was the second. The first one was something like, I think they're like, oh, we're going to go on this like a certain death mission. He was like, oh, you know, I was really worried there that we weren't going to, we weren't going to die we today. Die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, I was worried we might yeah. actually survive. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, they also Lord. had a nice moment where Jordy says, um, Crusher is a tactical. And he says, uh, I didn't install the weapon system, so you're going to have to manually do it. And she's like firing torpedoes and phasers. And <laughs> she basically gets direct hits right across the board. And all three of them turn around and look at her. It's like a lot's happened in the yeah. last 20 years. So in the middle of all this <laughs> heaviness where you're thinking they're fucked, they're managing to like crack these jokes. And it's not feeling... Yeah. Like jarring these tonal shifts, but it's actually just, just little yeah, moments. Yeah. Ah, it Levity makes you care so much so more for them. Fucking important. But can yeah. I can I just say as well the uh, and I think you called this out in a previous episode, Will. The um, what I really appreciated about this series is that the humor felt consistent with the humor from thirty five years ago in TNG. It was just mm-hmm. broad, fun, light hearted comedy, unlike what we saw in Discovery and um, some of the recent Trek shows. But are yucking it up. It's just, yeah, it's all wry, sort of, sort of clever, sort of, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but yeah, it's just... Sick sar- It's sarcastic and sick. It's just, it, it, yeah. These characters don't think they're I, funny. They're just, they're saying things that feel... Can I go on a, on a, as an outsider on, on a tangent here, just as relation to the shows? Like, we, the reason that we have that... Uh, enjoyment and we like the humor with this TNG characters is a lot of the fact is that we spent so much time with them I mean we we and on a, on a larger sense I start wondering about like how much of this is is tied into that and rather you know the discovery they did you know some of the episodes were, were, were pretty good but I never really warmed to the characters even though there were some good characters in there I never really quite clicked with them and uh, it felt smarmy to me. A, a lot of it did, yeah. yeah smarmy's yeah, a good yeah, word. Yeah, a lot of it did. I haven't seen the Strange New World show. No, is that I've heard that's pretty good, but um, no, no one's seen it. I'm going to give it no one's my time just because this one has far exceeded my my expectations for it. So um, I don't know how much of that is down to Terry Metalis. Obviously, this is the the show where he got to completely control yeah. it and he wasn't involved in Picard season one and he came on halfway through season two to sort of wrap that up I will say I'm not like clamouring as some people are for Star Trek Legacy even though I liked where it ended up but I wasn't sort of like thinking to myself fuck would this be a point Metelli for me is that the Janeway one it? is it no it's what they're what some of the people involved are hoping will come from this with Seven as captain of the Enterprise that crew so it would pick up from them. Okay. And it's called Star Trek Legacy. If Terry Metalis is involved, I 
He wants to be. He's pitched, yeah. or he's okay. he's he's got a pitch for it, but it, he has or hasn't. The, the difficulty is that there is a Star Trek Legacy game, which is what confused me as well, because there is a, there is a, a computer okay. game called Star Trek Legacy, and that is confusing slightly. But his one is a, essentially, we'll, we'll, we'll call it the Star Trek Legacy, is a follow-on of the adventures of Captain Seven and Counselor Jack Crusher. We're, we're going ahead of ourselves here, but that's the ideal future plan and he has had no meetings about this mm-hmm. like he doesn't know what their what Paramount's plans are oh wow but Paramount are making a lot of fast and loose moves at the moment they've cancelled Discovery and they have switched the Section 31 thing into a feature length event rather than it being its own show yeah. with Michelle Yeoh did so you read the, maybe they're making room for Star Trek Legacy I'd heard that apparently Kurtzman who, Alex Kurtzman who's doing a lot handling a lot of the Star Trek stuff had said that uh, he'd that the story goes he'd see he knew that Michelle Yeoh was going to be like going to get a lot of heat and they weren't going to have the time with her to do a series and so it was refashioned into a movie I it seems an odd okay. choice to me but yeah, well, someone else can do that podcast. Um, the Borg break out of the transporter room and they destroy the cloaking device, meaning that the Titan can no longer do much. It's dead in the water. The walls are closing in. Picard realizes that he now has something to go back to, to become the cutest again after spending half his life running from it. So he basically logs on to the Borg to go after Jack. And meanwhile, Geordi and uh, the Enterprise have figured out that there's a pathway through the Borg ship, but it's an impossible flight path because they're going to have to independence day it. Go right into the bowels of the ship. Lando Calrissian is. They have to return to this. Lando Calrissian, Millennium Falcon, that shit. That's what they had to do. Although Lando had a much easier route. That, that was pretty much just straight a straight line. The ship was yeah, also was like was 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 like like fucking of, tiny. Yeah, there were a few things. The Enterprise is fucking yeah. huge. I know the Borg ship's big, but... Yeah. Do you know what I did love was that shot of, of how small the Enterprise yeah. was compared to the Borg ship. Yeah. That yeah. was great. It was super cool. Anyway, just talking of ways to get away from Star Wars. I loved data. Listen, listen. I'm I'm so bored of Star Wars. Right Are you now. Pulaski? It's data. Listen, I'm listen to me. <laughs> You're fucking nerd. I love it when data says it's data. When data says my gut, my gut tells me I can do yeah. this. I please, yeah, loved yeah, that was this great. scene. That's great. Yeah, because it's yeah, it's brilliant. It's data relying on his humanity. Yeah, and he's yeah. saying, "Trust me." I thought this is just wonderful. This is a super moment. Trust me, I think I can do it. And he does. I love this. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's great. Isn't it wonderful how Data has. (laughs) Don't call him Data. (laughs) (laughs) How how he's like, how they've realized his humanity. And like in very simple and like economical scenes, we've seen it with him touching Picard's shoulder in the previous episode. That was lovely. We've seen him with fucking Spot. We've seen it just there's so many these beautiful human moments. The way that he says can't he, know instead of cannot. Oh. Yeah. They did it. So they did it. <laughs> contractions. He's got a positronic yeah. brain, but he could never do contractions. Um oh, I love that that scene. And it's all building towards something. And I was looking at the runtime on the episode and going, 
fuck me, they're flying through this. Like, this is really coming to, like, the, what would feel like the final ten minutes of a movie. And Can I jump in again? At the end of that scene that you love with, with um, Mr. Mr. Data, uh, Deanna Troy, and he takes off, and Troy says, oh, yeah. why am I sensing enjoyment? Oh, yeah, and great. he's grinning. Like. <laughs> maniacal grin. <laughs> maniacal, just like, ah, this is brilliant. Do you know they, they screened these Sorry. episodes in the US at the cinema, and uh, people were coming out saying that, there was lots of laughter. There was lots of sniffles and cheers. I could imagine this playing like gangbusters with a, with a crowd that would dare to see it. Yeah, yeah me that. too. Yeah. I'd say brilliant. great energy, I'd say. Yeah. And then while Picard is in this Borg matrix, it's all come down to Picard basically opening himself up, being able to accept love. That if he can accept love, then humanity can be saved. And that means him having to be vulnerable with Jack but meanwhile while that is going on Jordy turns to Crusher and says look we have only one shot at this and we can take the shot but it means killing them and then they say to to Worf and Riker did you hear that and they're like yeah and Riker won't go back to Troy he's going to stay there what's the line that he says Troy goes will the moment we fire you'll have a minute to get out at most and he says I owe him a lifetime at least I can spare his a minute that's a great line here. Well, do you know what I really liked about this bit um, was that Jordy, who has nominally been given command here mm-hmm. and is kind of running the show, uh, he gives Beverly the space to make the decision. Yeah. To consent you know to it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah, exactly. I I thought that yeah. was that was lovely. Um, and even more tragic, she's gonna she's on tactical. She's the one who's got yeah. the fire. But Will, do you She's remember when we button. said on the Star Trek movie uh, podcast that we did that this is what we wanted, but it was going to yep. be Will Wheaton. And you said the only yep. problem is Will Wheaton. So they yep. have managed to solve that problem. But yeah, they've yeah. narrowed it down <laughs> to personalize the story. It, it's taking first contact and making it so much more emotive and emotional because there are real stakes here. It's, it's family members. It's convincing me we should be screenwriters someday. <clears throat> someday. I can't wait. wait. Well, instead of taking the two, the two most famous Star Trek TNG season finales and kind of like the best of both worlds and the all good things and kind of like mashing a lot of them together, like a lot of the stuff from mm-hmm. those season finales is kind of like fed into this. And, and a lot of stuff from, from, from the, the original series for movies too. What I loved, though, is amongst all this chaos and all this action, was that if you just cut to Troy, you knew exactly what she was thinking and what she'd been through and what she, her relationship was with Riker. You didn't need to continue spelling it out. It was like, we get mm. it. And with Crusher and uh, Data having his humanity back, it, it all just felt like they'd done a really good job of weaving through all these little arcs for these characters and paying them all off really neatly and elegantly in this final episode yeah i i texted you i think and i was in the middle of texting because i i suddenly remembered this the i i was trying to remember like the moments for all the different cast throughout that last finale and i was saying what was troy's one and then i remembered her that was a great one you know i know where they are but it's also built up on on Riker's yeah he says this thing but you know what he's thinking and he's like oh, I love you Imzadi yeah, no, 
will be waiting, me and our and boy. you can feel the emotion. And then when you cut to her back on the Enterprise, she's just obviously, I know where they are. Like it's and it, but it was so, so well, well edited. edited, so well, it's so well set up, so well edited. And I, I even I just I was in the metro to collect my 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 kid from crash, and I was I remember this, and I just had this lump in my throat, just like getting onto the train. I was like, I, I just could hold myself together for a second. I I just it was a very that was a very strong moment, really really good. In the middle of it, I think credit credit to them for because they not they not only paid off. Um, every character with 35 years of history and then gave them all moments in this show. But they gave them all, like, moments with emotional weight. Like, everyone got mm. an emotional moment in this episode without fail. And it also didn't feel too crowded with seven characters. How, listen, it's no easy feat. It's it's like uh, doing a juggling act while doing a, uh, walk on a tightrope while... I don't know, doing it, uh, jumping, uh, jumping between trapezes. It's fucking incredible. It really is incredible that they've actually put it. Yeah, wild hunt. And punching yourself While in the balls. Playing a kazoo. <laughs> I was the same. I joined Starfleet to find the family I didn't have and I found it. I let them in. And this is all when you feel like Picard is going to die. But there was always a barrier. I too thought there was something wrong with me and I waited. Waited in that vineyard, waiting to die alone. But now, Jack, I realise... You were the part of me that I never knew was missing. I watched this film, Road to Perdition, years ago. And I thought, like, yeah, it's fine. It's grand. I like, quite liked it. It looks lovely. I watched it again just after I'd become a father under kind of trying circumstances. And um, I was in tears at the end of it. And mm-hmm. the cards lying there, that part of you that you didn't know was missing, is a very... Uh, that, it, it, it hits home. It hits home. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weighty line. Obviously, he, he's, you know, Patrick Stewart's got. Well, as someone who doesn't have kids, I didn't really give a shit. Anyway, Picard <laughs> <laughs> uh, says to Jack, "If you won't leave, I'll stay with you." And Jack, realizing has someone in his corner, which is the thing he's been looking for all his life, is what breaks the barrier for him. And it's that connection. The can Borg are all about assimilation, I, and what it's come down to is that human connection. Can I just say though, I, I completely agree with the Borg gear uh, with Jamie. I, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I just like we should all be the same. It would just be a lot easier. Um, although on that note, I liked that they acknowledged the attractiveness yeah. of it, like th- how Jack described it as. Yeah. You know, it's quiet here. I feel peace. You know, that I, yeah. I, I, I feel supported. I, I admired that they did that. And, and, and yeah, 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 and, yeah. Um, yeah. They, yeah, supported exactly. Um, but I, I agree. I thought this moment was really beautiful. It got me really badly when um, uh, Picard says that line. Um, it felt very touching, and they, they'd earned it from their earlier work, uh, building up this relationship. But something was nagging me, and then I realized it afterwards. And it's just to your point, Kev. It's like they're saying um, Jack has come round. Somebody, he's got someone in his corner, like you said. Here he is. He's finally got it. And then I realized, like, what about his fucking mom? It's like he's had he's had someone looking out for him for twenty years. What about her? And she had kind of got no role to play in this. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, she had twenty years to play. You know, just all the. <laughs> <laughs> she does have a she does have a role to play, and the role is her hands on the uh, proton torpedoes, about to and destroy she, him. She's about to kill 
him and his And she's thinking of every time he talked back to her. Every time he pissed her off. Every time Picard was playing away on that fucking planet. I could just fire this torpedo and be done with the two cunts. These two fuckers have ruined my life. And Troy is looking at her going like, I know what you're thinking. Actually, do it. Sisters are doing it for themselves. That's the ending we needed. Da, I know what you're da, saying, da, da, Dave, but da, da, I think da, da. I think in in that moment they're leaning into the fact that Jack, all his life, he has had this Borg. He has had this calling to the Borg and has always felt alone, always felt apart, and it wasn't. And he's saying, "Oh, you weren't there. I was. I find. I, I finally have someone in my corner." I just think that's what they're leaning into and kind of like not negating. It comes down to an embrace. It's like, it's just like this. And it got me. It was pretty much similar to what they did with Data and Lore. But mm. in that moment, he um, pulls himself free from the Borg and Picard is, is needs to be separated um, or Jack needs to help him get separated. And we think it's over. And Riker says that line, which is that I love you, Mzadi. We'll be waiting, me and our boy. And what I loved about that moment, I know you got choked up, Jimmy, but for me, it was like, it was the thing that Troy was trying to control, the grief that they mm-hmm. had that was driving them apart. It was that when he invoked their son's name, that that sort of bond between them just was so powerful that through all the chaos, it just joined them. And she was like, I know where they are. And she mm. rushed to the comms and flew that ship in. And she did a fantastic job of like swinging that thing up. And I could feel the writers like when they when they came up with that like link. They were just like there was a big high five in the room. They were like, "She's like she knows who she is because of the dead oh, boom, boom. They like, the dead kid." Yeah, it always works boom. though when they they use Troy in that way. But um, but the dead but kid it's, high five. It's, I don't want to diminish well, it. I, I, it was I, I a was really good moment. I, I I don't I don't want to make it sound silly, but I I really liked it. I really but, really liked it. But what's What's nice and elegant about the storytelling here is like I was incredibly moved by the Jack that the, the Jack and Picard scene as well incredibly moved. But what's lovely is that that f- flood of emotion carried nicely into the yes. right or try moment because they, they kind of they they nested together quite well. Sometimes you can have two moments that are jarring; they don't fucking work. But this yeah. it's just flowed into each other, and it was just like yeah, you're ca- caught in the same loveliness on the same right in that same wave of emotion. It's yeah. great stuff. Great what I also stuff. found great about this episode and really just about this whole season is that if you were to remove any one of the core crew the whole story would fall down. It just wouldn't work. And the mission wouldn't work. They were all so vital in their own ways. So, mm. you know. Is this why the films maybe didn't work? Because you can only get moments like that and you can only really parse them out between about like two, three, four, I'd pushing it four characters at most in a feature film. Yeah. Seven you can make work in a feature film. Yeah. That's yes. what William Goldman says. But I think, I think, the core, the core thing I feel was wrong with the the feature films, is that they needed just to Picard data, data, Picard data, Picard data, all the movies yeah. for all the elements. Yeah, but they needed they need, for all the elements from the protagonist, antagonist, and all of that's why I was proposing. I said, oh, you should make fucking uh, um, Wesley an antagonist in one of these stories in some way. Personalize it. it to center it in on Beverly and yeah, yeah, personalize it more. But if but when you're introducing an external vi- villain, there's a whole lot of baggage you have to waste time. 
setting all that up and that's time you're not spending mm-hmm. with your main characters. Kev, you were saying this earlier, the problem with Picard and all the movies is that he's generally just fucking angry. And you don't see... Yeah, they made him an asshole. Yeah, you don't see either lawyer Picard, which is personally my favourite Picard, or diplomat Picard. And... I, it's like I like I like Beauty Queen Picard my, I, my personal like, I like Malibu Picard Malibu Picard has the I lovely lawyer, lawyer Picard is like you know he's fun and he's he's angry and he knows so the fucking that. line of the law and he, you're like Jesus he's got that guy's got a fucking point and Diplomat Picard is similar but in a, like a softer kind of like you know the prime directive kind of way and movies those movies generally do not lend themselves to either of those Picards. Like, they want the fucking action. If they'd He-Man made Picard. this story in the 90s, Picard would have had a Tommy gun and he would have been shooting the shit up at, like, Jack and his army of Borgs. A line must be drawn. I just yeah. think... Yeah. I, 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 li- I like... I like... I agree with Jamie. I'm actually a fan of... That's, that, that was, that's Picard to me, not the, the Same action here. hero Picard we got in the movies. But, th- but that's the conflict between, you know, mo- it's a movie, so it's got to have big action and spectacle. That's what people turn out for. But it's like, no, actually, I, w- I would have turned out for a, a sort of a thoughtful courtroom drama versus, like, is Data a human being? I'd have watched that for two hours. For me, it felt like the TNG crew had to go back to television to get their proper send-off. And it just helps that they've gotten yeah. a movie-style budget for this because this f- felt massive at times and uh, a lot bigger than some of the even the OG movies. Can I flag up? Can I flag up one of the two things that? Hurry up, because we've got about sixty-two right endings now. to get through. <laughs> uh, one of the one of the endings that I did not like was the ending of the Borg Queen. That particular shot I thought was a little bit goofy, where she's like, "No," and it looked a little. I loved it. <laughs> it was a bit, uh, a bit Darth Vader in the uh, in Revenge Perfect. of the Sith. It's just, um, all of fine. the Borg drones they return to normal, which is uh, I'll I'll give it to them Convenient. because the Borg are the ones. I know, but what else do you want? Do you want? Yeah. What I would have liked was to see a bit more of a battle going on with the Federation ships, but I guess that would be another like twenty million. Can we ask um, how many how many Federation either ships or lives? Because they mentioned specifically earlier in the season, eleven thousand people died at the Battle of Wolf three five nine. How many people died at the Battle of what are we calling this Frontier Day? Or yeah, Let's okay, so how Battle many people, Space Dock. I mean, all all the anyone under twenty five, like you know, turned on their elders. I counted about fifty odd. So that's all. 50-odd died. Everybody else Space, Space Dock was destroyed. Space Dock was destroyed in this. It seemed to be intact. Yeah. Like, they went back to it, like, a bit later. Was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It was to down. Me, was they a... said it was down. So maybe... Oh, okay. It was exploded. <laughs> it got better. It took, it took some beating, They built it back it, in lads? a year, though. Yeah, really um, oh, it was a year, The Borger destroyed yeah. uh, the crew that were about to storm the Bridge of the Titan. They come back to themselves. Seven embraces Sydney. Picard brings Jack onto the bridge. Uh, everybody has their little moments hugging each other. And one of the big laugh at load moments for me was Worf goes over and sits down beside uh, Data and Geordi. He sits in Council Troy's chair and he immediately falls asleep. And I loved it. I, loved I lost it. it. I lost it. It was great. Yeah. yeah. 
Can you have a combination of cr- of, of of crying and laughing at the same time? I had both. Oh, it's yeah. the best kind like, of crying. I was I was laughing. I was crying because I was just choked up. But then I was laughing because of that fucking joke. And I just went, this is it. This is it. This is perfect. This is the best scene of the year. Best scene of the year, hands down. The bit that really got me in, in this sequence was was weirdly the um, seven hugging Sydney um, because there was this look of fear and panic and then that and I thought the actress playing Sydney portrayed really well and the, this realisation of what she'd done. And then seven, you got the full weight of Voyager and, and everything arc, yeah. in that moment where everything that she'd been through and she mm. saw that in yeah. in Sydney and that embrace. I thought it was really, really I lovely. need to correct the record on one thing. Because I said on an earlier episode to you, Will, I said that both of the LaForges were played by LeVar Burton's actual real-life daughters, and it's not. It's only one of them. It was uh, Alandra is LeVar Burton's real daughter. Mm-hmm. Picard yeah. says, welcome to the Enterprise. Um, they have a beautiful flyby with the Titan. Crusher becomes an admiral. And then we have another really moving scene with Tuvok and Seven are reunited. And Tuvok shares with her. Captain Shaw's officer uh, report so prior good. to the series beginning, prior to the writing system when they went to help Beverly. And in it, he says that she's brash, she breaks all the rules, but the rules, I think, need to be broken. That she got the right dog, but she's, she's loyal, she's brave, <laughs> and he's recommending her for captain. It was lovely. And he's dead. Is he though? I know. Fuck. Uh, that- he is. He's got to be dead, right? Yeah. I mean, he's. Yeah, he's got to be dead. But it was the perfect way to end his story when you think of what defined him was surviving on that maintenance deck and getting on a shuttle. And then his fate was to help those that were going to defeat the Borg get on a shuttle. I felt I felt his death was a little rushed in episode nine. I thought I I, I found it. It didn't really land for me. And I was such a fan of his character. Um, But this... This really landed, seeing him as a hologram. So yeah. his de- I felt his death here a lot more. Mm. That was that was the, the the one. What's the word? Yeah, I suppose that is the the the, the death of the show. That is, we're all grieving for Shaw in our own ways. Ro Laren for me was a big one. Yeah, that was a big heroes moment. R.I.P. Shelby. Jesus, I mean, she was the one of the heroes of Wolf Three Five Nine. Then we we pay off Rafi's arc, which might not register for people just coming into this season, but she was sort of a down-and-out character in the first two seasons of Picard. She was estranged from her family. She was a former drug addict. But Worf went behind her back and he released all of her classified Valor commendations to the media so that everybody would know she was a hero. And I thought that was lovely. Mm, It was nice. Yeah. I don't have any affection for Rafi, unfortunately. I liked her so, in this uh, moment when not having not they're, having they're calling each other the, warriors and stuff. Yeah, not having seen any of the other Picards, I I it didn't I, I didn't really know who she was. Uh, other than she's like a badass. She grandmother. was Raffaella. Yeah, but she's a badass grandmother. That's what I know her from. Like I don't I didn't know anything other than that. She's a grandmother. Well, she can kick but ass. Her, it also paid off Worf. But her granddaughter is st- is stock footage. Did you notice that? It did look like that. Oh, is that, God. Is that it was like, name? you know, stock wave footage. to your grandmother. Also, did you, did you notice that when it's like, Jack is in his quarters, he holds up like a premiere photograph of Gates McFadden and Picard yeah. where they were at like the first contact premiere or something. I like They're that. They're in tuxes yeah, and dresses. Funny. It's <laughs> weird. But they paid off one nice thing, which was Worf initiates a hug with Rafi. Yeah, it was good. And he was resistant to them all along. So it's like these little tiny moments where you can tell that they're like thinking about these things. 
You see, and the reason I like that scene is because we get more Worf. That was the reason I liked it. Worf been sound. I like Worf. It's great stuff. Worf when doing a hug up. when he says, like, I need, I need personal space is, yeah, it's, it's an easy laugh. It's good. Good stuff. Yeah. I've gone past one of his lines, which was that he said something about weeping. As one who's I, as, never wept. <laughs> I assume you are being like, not you know, you're being, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're being strong by weeping. I wouldn't know, of course, you know, what would be a Klingon and all. The Enterprise D takes its place at the Fleet Museum. They initiate a shutdown maneuver. The three guys say uh, that they, what did I say? We would have been different if we weren't on the ship, certainly, but certainly not better. You skipped over the scene with Troy and Data having the, the session. I did actually, yeah, which was very funny. I fucking love that scene. There's Data is so human a- that now he's in therapy. <laughs> And he's gone an hour that over his time. That was the most TNG moment in the whole thing for me. That was like the moment like TNG yeah. that really leans into that. Like, let's have like a moment where like Troy is like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, this guy is going to go on for another like, an hour. <laughs> and she's scrolling <laughs> scrolling through holidays, yeah, looking for holidays. <laughs> That's great stuff. I said it on, um, on one of the prior recordings that I didn't realize how much Troy is integral to the to the vibe of the TNG crew. That if you don't have mm. Troy there, it's a it's a very straight crew. But she brings this goofy earnestness, and then Data being so childlike, it they have a great rapport. But it was funny. Yeah. And you know, want to know what I wrote when when Riker's at the door and Data's leaving and stuff like that, and just the just the quick little exchanges, human exchanges between them. I literally wrote, "I'm in love with these characters. I'm in love with these characters because I just love them." Yeah, I yeah. really and truly just felt I felt the affection because it was the affection I felt that the actors had for each other in this moment and the creators had in writing these characters in this moment and it just translated right out of the screen into my eyeballs and into my heart. Well, they're genuine friends outside of the show and it's the only Star Trek company where they've all gotten along. Like Voyager had its problems, DS9 did, Enterprise did and the original series did. These guys are like... And you can feel that. They just have chemistry. Jack is now in Starfleet and his parents are taking him off to college or what it feels like to me and uh, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Cute. and he's nervous little 24 year old after <laughs> well, he looks like he looks more like he's going to 35 <laughs> yeah. like let's just let's overlook this like, like yeah he's yeah. not 35 he's, like, he's, he's probably yeah. 20 something it's fine yeah it's fine <laughs> um, and he's going to be serving on board the Enterprise, which is the rechristened Titan, and it's the Enterprise G under Captain Seven of Nine and First Officer Raffi. Go on. I started, I started, I genuinely started shedding tears when they announced that they were renaming the Titan. Did the anyone think it was going to be front. called the Picard for a second? Because I did. Yeah, yeah, I, did. Yeah, I, thought, yeah. I thought so too. I, I, but then I was like, in in honor of you, and I was like, "Oh Jesus Christ, they're going to call this the ship the SS the USS Picard." I was like, "And your crew." I was like, "Okay, that's, that's, that's going to be a bit weird if you call it Picard and company." <laughs> I get, but I I felt it was what choked me up. I think was the, the again the a feeling. It's just a feeling of this reunion, of this appreciation, of this love. And I just, it felt, it was overwhelming. It was genuinely overwhelming for me. And I don't know why specifically. I just loved it. Yes, I agree entirely. And then we go back to your favourite set, Will, 
of the entire yeah. season <laughs> back to Guinan's bar on earth and all the guys yeah. are basically hanging out and we wondered how they were going to end the show what they were going to do and you said playing poker and that's what they end up doing it. before that though Picard gives a speech from Julius Caesar a Shakespeare speech and um, and yeah they're just having a little reunion and just hanging out and you get to see the characters just enjoying each other's company you know my other alt ending that other one I was thinking about before I started watching today I went oh you know what I would like Sex Planet they go back to the Sex <laughs> no. Planet no 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 <laughs> if, if it was just Bever- if it was the, the morning breakfast meeting between Beverly and Picard with all the rest of them oh yeah where's Laris though where's Laris Laris is Picard's girlfriend hey. she was in episode one Order Brady the Romulan oh yeah what yeah. happened to her she, Listen, she got it's, fridged it's, this is Gene Roddenberry's projected future, where sex happens freely between all kind, kin, and species and races. I don't know. I they, didn't they feel know like exes. Picard and Crusher feel like exes that are just really good friends with each other, and they share a kid. But um, I want to see more. Order, yeah, Brady. I, I was. I enjoy. I saw her for. The, I, 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 as I've mentioned to you, I hadn't seen any of the Picards, and I was like, oh, that's what I really. What's she doing with like pointy ears? Oh, she's she's with Patrick. Stewart. She died heading back to her home world. <laughs> but I want I yeah. moving off. It was strange not to see her at the end. I and I got one last laugh out of Worf as they were playing poker, where he slammed the table and went, <laughs> "I fold." <laughs> he cannot contain how grumpy he gets. And yeah, we leave these characters that I've been watching for the entirety of my life almost um, mm. happy in each other's company just laughing and playing cards and I thought it was beautiful and that's where it ended there was nothing else that came after it just the credits <laughs> so, switch it off straight away guys fill me in I didn't stay for the post credit sequence what happened the post credit sequence was Jack in his quarters on the Titan he puts up that picture on his desk and it's Beverly and it's Picard in their premier um, outfits. It just looks very wrong. It looked very nineties, you know, the makeup and the the, the tux that the Patrick Stewart is wearing. Ah, it looks fine. And then Q appears behind Jack and he says some bullshit, which is like the test of humanity was done for Picard, but it, it's only beginning for you. And then they end. Oh. And I was like, oh. In your new you. show, yes, Star Trek, commissioned by Paramount Plus. Yeah. I have never ever liked Q. He's my least favorite character. Christ, Q again? No. Anyway, he's good. my final thoughts on this show, and then I'll throw it to you guys. Yeah, all right. Because we're coming up in an hour and twenty minutes. This has been a gift for me. I have just absolutely reveled in it. I went into it skeptical but hopeful, and it just rewarded me continually for 10 weeks I've loved watching a show on a week by week basis as well it's totally turned me off binging stuff in the future this was a fantastic finale I'm so glad that they went all out for it and they really love these characters as much as I love them can't really fault it it's little missteps here and there it was just superb terrific anybody else okay so (laughs) Star Trek Picard is out. <laughs> I mean, it's I, late. That's, it's late. That's, do you know what, Kev? Do you know I've loved listening to you guys talking about this week 
in, week out because it has made me, your your love for this show has shone through so much that it made me love it even more. Even when I was at Doubting Thomas and I had my reservations. But the, uh, the, finale, the show as a whole, the season, because I hated the first season of Picard and then I didn't watch the second. And I'm... What a miracle that they managed to turn 100%. it around, not only like fix this show, but then give this send off for the uh, for this crew that is one of the best season finales I think I've ever seen. And um, as you said, Will, it's a juggling act. Um, so, you know, fair play to Terry Metalis. And I just I, I really appreciated watching something with such so little cynicism and such pure joy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's Jimmy? no, it's it's as you say, Dave, it's it's pure joy. It's I didn't see the first two seasons one ninety nine and a half percent because of Kevin saying do not watch the first two seasons. <laughs> and the, the extremes between what I felt for the first season of Picard, which was it was my most detested show. It was your most but I remember, Kevin, it was your most looked forward to show. Like, I remember us texting before and yeah. you were like, this is my, this is my new Star Wars. This is my, this is my Jesus. Indian, this is my Jesus. This is, I, this is what I need. <laughs> and your, your disappointment was so profound that I avoided <laughs> the first two seasons of Picard. And I only got into this one because of your fervor for it. And I have to say, I was really, I'm glad I did because it was a really good, it was a, it was a palate cleanser of Nemesis, which was not a great movie. And the, the movies were not great. Most of the TNG movies were not great, but um, I loved that show. That was a really big part of my, it was a big part of my life back then. It was, it was important and it was it was it was great it was really well done it was an important it was a very interesting way the way they balanced that nostalgia but also how do we make this interesting i don't know yeah i i, I really liked it i it it really it really hit home for me thumbs up thumbs up will what did you think yeah for me i, I i've said it on this uh, this series before but i've been on a journey with star trek since COVID, like yourselves, I have a deep affection for the Next Generation series from when it originally came out. But since COVID, I've been on a deep journey with these with this series, starting with the, the original series onto TNG, DS9, Voyager now, and reading the uh, that we've done the Star Trek movies podcast, which was brilliant to revisit a lot, re- revisit them all. At the core, uh, I the Star Trek works for me when they get the core cast that family working well when there's a beautiful balance if it's whether it's Kirk Spock and McCoy in the original series but in the TNG cast to balance this core how many is it five seven I don't know what's the what's the number of that seven family seven and for them to pay that off it's just beautiful I just feel it's cathartic I feel it's I don't know in a weird way it's kind of like almost because this is closing a chapter uh, uh, from COVID for me. It does. And, um, I'm ready to die now. <laughs> I, <feel> it's just... <laughs> I adore it. And I also want to say, this is the first time we've done a watch along series podcast. And by Christ, we looked out that we've found we really a did. show 
that has been we, so wonderful. And it's been grueling for us, like, because this is the time when Will has the least amount of time available. You heard it at the, uh, at the beginning of the episode. But we stuck with it, and it just paid off for us. For me, it did, yeah. anyway. It was such a, a wonderful experience to share this with others. And mm. to, um, as I said, it felt like being loved bombed by the show. It was just rewarding me for my affection for these characters and for the history of the show. And after 35 years to have a finale that good, uh, it was excellent. So there's not much more I can say. This has been a fantastic experience. I've loved revisiting these characters and um, I've loved being able to talk about it with you guys. And uh, Thanks for coming along, Dave and Jamie. I just definitely. checked your names. <laughs> <laughs> Picard, as we say at the end of all of these episodes, is available to watch on Amazon Prime and on Paramount+. Plus. And for us, if you have listened to these shows independent of our other podcast, you can listen to more from me and Will, and sometimes Jamie, and hopefully sometimes more from Dave, over on the Best Bits podcast. Where we hey, talk about movies. I'm not finished talking, Will. Sorry. <laughs> where we do other stuff which is quite good and of course uh, you have to if you're listening to us and you haven't heard Dave on his uh, wonderful podcast which he does with his wonderful wife Kathy it's called the Cinemile Podcast it's a wonderful podcast and uh, they're a great pair I I vicariously am going to the movies via them listen to them review their movies uh, on their walk somewhere their travel somewhere or something I'm so sorry, Will, because we we don't go to any good movies. Vicariously <laughs> like, going to the no Dungeons and Dragons you went to, and it was quite good. That was very good. great. Right? There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, yeah. it is very late here, and for you, Jamie, it is even later. It's half twelve at night when we're wrapping this up. But um, my God, oh, that's 1987 to know. I never thought when I kneeled in front of the telly at my nan's house watching Encounter at Farpoint that. 35 years in the future I'd be sat here thinking how the fuck do I wrap this up and get off mic talking to three fellas on a computer I thought but I here thought we are this, and the future is amazing me. listen the escape phrase? I've loved it love talking to you guys hope you're all well out there take care from me good night thank you very much Kev good night good night Will good night Dave good luck take, take care. care thanks everyone Kevin good night everyone out And here is a clip from the lads' latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. The best bits with Will and Kevin. No, the best bits with Kevin and Willem. For the films and the, the TV and the latest films. Something, something, something. something. Um, don't forget that you owe us three euro. <laughs> you okay. can't throw what? <laughs> oh my god. I, I did a whole Irish theme. The best bits with Kevin and Willem. Fucking deviant lit. Okay, right. I'm gonna find the fucking thing because it's gonna be the music to start the episode. I don't think I've heard this. You have. Well, maybe you haven't. I don't think I have heard this. I do. I suspect that what you do is you just put the laugh and emoji thing and think I listened to that some other time. Fuck it, that'll do. Because it's bound to be funny in his eyes. So yeah. I'll just tell him what he wants to hear.
I actually only laugh the emoji when I've actually listened. <laughs> I should have taken the hint that nobody was responding to the Podbot one. Like nobody was giving me any reaction to it. And oh. I thought they hadn't listened to it yet. And then of yeah. course I was delighted with that and people hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it was it was it wasn't easy on the ears in an, in the sense that it was just her monotone voice, so there was no up and down. That's the thing. Yeah, I know. I tried my best. You're a bug and I'm a feature. Pray to this mantis or I'll eat you. And if you don't know my name, here's an update to teach you. I'm I'm, I'm Hogus and I'm the future. An AI podcasting computer. The number one zero one zero zero one one producer. Yeah, that's exactly it's good. Did you do? So. Don't forget, now you owe us three euro. I come off the stage. Know, I've not, I've, I've not heard this. I swear to God, I'm going to send it to you right now, and you can get a genuine reaction. I'll actually listen to it. So I'm, I have my WhatsApp open. The best is Kevin Willem. About the telly and the latest film. Talking shit at the dynamic duo. Don't forget, now you owe three euro. I come off the stage, old dad. <laughs> That's genuinely my first time hearing that. <laughs> I just could easily have just scrubbed it from my memory. That's the other thing that could happen. How do you operate? I, 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 I generally just go on impulses. So if I need to toilet, I just toilet. And does, I, that doesn't necessarily mean I need to be Squat in the proximity like a of a toilet. Yeah, so I'm saying. You just go. I just nappy it, Kevin. I just man, I just adult nappy it. <laughs> Oh, we've got loads to talk about. Um, I've watched a load of things. So have I. But I think I should get one thing off my chest straight away because I think the discourse out there sometimes can feel really artificial to me and it can feel like people will films to be worse than they are in order to have something to point at and ridicule and sort of create content about should I start the timer? Is this, have we just started? Start the timer because I'm rare okay. to go. I saw Madam Web. Right. I honestly, guys, know nothing. All I all I know is I saw a poster. Oh, very recently, it went. There's a Madam Web film, and I'm what is this? So it's a Spider Verse adjacent Marvel movie. Yeah, it's it's one of these Sony things where they did Venom and they're doing Craven the Hunter, okay. and it's sort of an offshoot of the Spider-Man movies, but I don't right. know what universe they're in because they're trying to blend them all together. So is this the Tobey Maguire Spider-Verse? To me, it feels like it's in that space. Mm. Anyway, I thought I'm done with superhero movies. I'm just over them. I watched Captain Marvel not re- long ago and I thought it was just tedious. It's so lifeless. The Marvels, not Captain Marvel. Is that what Marvel's, well, yeah. she's in it, Captain Marvel. Captain yeah. Marvel 2. It was just sort of like, it was another one of those films that felt like Ant-Man in that everything was chemical and synthetic and fake and Mm -hmm. airless. And, you know, you just have sound stage after sound stage. And I just feel profoundly depressed watching those films where I feel like Uh, there's nothing organic happening in these. From the lines of dialogue to the hairstyles to the costumes to the sets to the music to everything just feels It's artificial wafer thin just wafery artificially no sustenance no satisfaction you know protein in it whatsoever you feel like oh wow I I just put something down my throat and I'm still hungry It feels like eating plastic Okay On the whole it's just drifted so far away from what Iron Man was that I just don't care about them Yes I found The Flash really fun because it was it felt like a Bill and Ted 
type movie at times. It was off the wall bonkers. And I don't really particularly give a shit about special effects. Whether they're good or bad, you know, I can buy into it because of the ideas behind it or the concepts behind it. So I wasn't like revolted by the, the special effects of the Flash. I just thought, you know, it's mm. funny to see babies falling out of windows and being put into microwaves and things like that. So I went into Madam Web, not really giving a fuck about the genre, but I wanted to see it for the sake of having an opinion on it. And the trailer was awful. It had that terrible line reading in it from the Dakota Johnson where she's, she's shitting out exposition. And I think people had the film's cards marked at that stage. And uh, the film itself, to me, played like a Final Destination action thriller. And I thought it was really pleasant. It didn't bother me in the slightest. I didn't have any of the issues that everybody else has. It was uh, a reluctant hero with no superpowers whatsoever other than having premonitions, trying to keep three teenage girls alive against somebody who's like the evil version of Spider-Man who wants to murder them. And they just played it out in a very cinematic way where it felt like a Sam Raimi type Spider-Man. It looked as good as that. It was all real locations. For me, it felt like a lovely throwback to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. And I don't get why everybody loads the film. I thought it was just fun. Oh, wow. Uh, all I've yeah. seen is the negative discourse. And you're the first voice. I believe, you know, I haven't listened to the episode because I haven't watched the film yet. I know the Cinemile uh, had differing views. Oh, fuck. Me and Kathy, we were the, so far the only people that I know who don't think the film is dire, but they've almost had a hernia on that episode. It was very <laughs> enjoyable listen to listening to it. <laughs> Oh, I have to listen to it. <laughs> was, I'm really curious. I'm really he was curious. disgusted because Caddy was pushing back and I thought it was very, very funny. And then when I saw it, I was like, do you know what? I am actually on the side of Caddy here. This is actually grand. Right. This is actually grand. So I, <laughs> <laughs> but you That's know so what? Funny. It didn't feel like a superhero movie. So I liked it for that reason. Oh, it's okay. I'm just going to look up some of the, the credits. And I like Dakota um, Johnson's performance as well. She was playing this sort of curmudgeonly antisocial character. And to put that type of person in the role of having to be a protector is actually really fun for me. And it's a role that you don't see many female characters inhabiting. That's more like a Harrison Ford type role. And um, I enjoyed it. So I don't get why everyone is shitting their britches over it. It's grand. Thank you.